1: Hey, fellow dark friends. Just wanted to give everybody a quick reminder to buy your tickets for SpoilerCon, our West Coast Watt-related convention. It'll be held in Portland the 27th through 29th of September. Folks have got a lot of fun events and things planned, including at least a live recording, a silent auction, a costume contest. But if you want to know more, you should go check out the website, spoilercon.org. That's S-P-O-I-L-E-R-C-O-N.org to RSVP. Also, on the website are details for the hostel at which a lot of people are going to be staying. Um, It's a great space for the budget conscious. A lot of people are traveling pretty far to get there. Do book early to ensure yourself a spot. There are several Airbnbs and hotels within close walking distance if you prefer that. And keep up on all SpoilerCon activities by following us on Discord, Twitter, and or Facebook. Go do it now. This is the Wheel of
0: Time Spoilers Podcast. Your hosts are Seth Jacobson and Patrick Heiler. Hi, I'm Seth.
1: And I'm Patrick. Chapter 54, Into the Palace. And our symbol is the opposing Aes Sedai, or the black Aja symbol. Seated on the tail end of the high-wheeled cart, trundling up a twisty tan street behind four sweating men... Elaine scowled through the grimy veil that, that covered her from eyes to chin. Kicking her bare feet irritably, every lurch over the paving stones jarred her to the top of her skull. The more she braced herself by holding on to the rough wooden planks of the cart bed, the worse it was. It did not seem to bother Nynaeve much. She jounced about like Elaine, but, frowning slightly and eyes looking inward, she appeared hardly aware of it. And again, crowded against Nynaeve on the other side, "'Veiled and with her dark hair and braids to, ev- to her shoulders, "'rode each jolt easily, arms folded. "'Finally, Elaine emulated the Shanchan woman. "'She could not avoid swaying into Nynaeve, "'but the ride no longer felt as if her lower teeth "'were going to be driven through the upper. "'She would have walked, gladly, even barefoot, "'but Bail-Daman said it would not look right. "'People might wonder why women were not riding "'when there was plenty of room, "'and the last thing they wanted "'was anyone thinking about them twice. "'Of course,' "'He was not being bounced about like a sack of turnips. "'He was walking, at the head of the cart, "'with ten or twenty sailors he had brought along for escort. "'More would seem suspicious,' he claimed. "'She suspected he would not have had so many "'if not for her and the other two women. "'The cloudless sky still stretched gray overhead, "'though first light had crept on before they set out. "'The streets were still largely empty and silent "'except for the rumble of the cart and the creak of its axle. "'When the sun topped the horizon, people would begin to venture out.' But now, the few she saw were knots of men in baggy trousers and dark cylindrical caps, scuttling along with the furtive air of having been up to no good while the dark had held. The old piece of canvas tossed over the cart's load was carefully arranged, so anyone could see it covered only three large baskets. Yet even so, one or another of the small clusters would pause like a pack of dogs, veiled faces all coming up together, eyes swiveling to follow the cart. Apparently... Twenty men with boarding swords and cudgels were too many to face, because all eventually hurried on. The wheels dropped into a large hole where paving stones had been pried from one of the riots. The cart fell away beneath her. She almost bit her tongue as she, and the cart bed met again with a hard smack, again in her casual arm folding. Grabbing the edge of the cart bed, she frowned at the Shan Shan woman, and found her tight-lipped and holding on with both hands also. Not quite the same as standing on deck after all, Hagenan said with a shrug.
0: Thought I'd leave it there. I used to do that as a kid on the bus. What? Try and, like... Stand and just like fold your arms because you'd like be in the back and the like the shocks oh, yeah. would be really bad and the roads would be really bad so you'd like bounce up and down and like the goal was like fold your arms and not have to hold on to anything where you get like bounced around and you'd always like eventually hit that really big bump and just come down on your feet and like bite the fuck out of your. Tongue. I kind of
1: know what you mean. Um, me and my friends used to call that subway surfing <laughs> the bouncy carts like. You kind of stand near a pole, but you try to, like, ride it and not get knocked
0: out of off of balance. <laughs> yeah, and subway surfing is definitely, like, it's different forces than bus surfing, which is, like, that's more being bounced up and down. I feel like subway surfing, you have to deal a lot with, the, like, the the acceleration and braking force.
1: Yeah, and, and random turns that you, you can't really predict what's going to happen because yeah. you're in a dark tunnel.
0: Right, right. Whereas, like... On the bus, it was more like trying not to bruise your ass. <laughs> They're enacting a plan because they, in the last chapter, in the world of dreams discovered that the sad bracelets are, and the seal is being hidden in the palace. So they've basically got this plan to sneak in as servants dressed as uh, Bael Doman's delivery girls and deliver these ice peppers which he delivered last time, which we find out are being used to torture yeah. Amethyra. She en- seemed to enjoy them last time. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, she sure did eat a lot of them. <laughs>
1: <laughs> That's true. <laughs> um. So the three women, Nynaeve, Elaine, and Agenin, are wearing like dresses that would make them look like poor farm girls who are just in the city doing whatever jobs they can to survive and you know that having run into captain domon they're helping him manage his stores essentially so they're serving girls
0: or appear well, they're, they're hiding well see this is they're hiding they go from like one class of serving girl to another they go from like dirty delivery girl to servant right so, like they, they do the delivery girl to get in the door and then servant to move around inside the palace without being questioned
1: right so in the baskets underneath the peppers are a a different or kind of the palace servant uniform so the idea is they get in with this gift for the panarch bring them bring the peppers to the storeroom quickly change change their clothes and then rush off through the pal- palace while hopefully like carrying something and just looking like a busy worker. And in a place with hundreds of busy workers, it's pretty easy to kind of slip through is the idea. And I'm scanning through here. There's a lot of recap at the beginning of this chapter where Elaine is kind of remembering, yeah, the conversations and how, how the plan came to be what it is. But I I don't feel like it's really necessary to go over every detail and every argument
0: that, you know, got struck down or whatever. I will notice that all the men try and come with them and they all like, I he can't come. He's obviously not Tara Bonner, but I can come. And it's like this whole down the line. It's a little comedic. And I, I, one of the points I want to make is that when we see the men from men points of view, everything's very serious. When we see the men from the women's point of view, they take on this sort of almost <laughs> comedy act. And I think that Jordan writes that deliberately because it's we're seeing them through the eyes of the women. And so they look and sound a little like almost joking. Uh, I don't know how to how to describe it. Yeah.
1: They're all bragging and boasting and you know trying to establish who's the strongest or whatever, and the women are just like, "Oh, shut up, Like can we actually talk about
0: <laughs> yeah <laughs> the brilliant writing and the way the way that Jordan tailors how we see how he writes the characters based on whose perspective he's writing from, and I think that's really quite brilliant, and it really sort of plays into his unreliable narrator motif of like you know, the characters aren't going to tell you the truth. They're going to tell you what they think. Right. You know, like real life. <laughs> yeah.
1: <laughs>
0: you know, if I think there's one thing that Jordan does better than any other author that that he captures better than any other author is, is that that like, it's you get into these characters heads and you are like, Oh, they don't know everything. They're ignorant. A lot of the time they get so much wrong but that makes them more real and more believable as opposed to like so many characters that I read in fiction that are just omniscient for some reason and happen to know exactly what they need to know whenever they need to know it. And I'm just like,
1: right. Always do the right thing or, you know, pick the right choice or whatever.
0: And, you know, at least when, Jordan does it. He says, Tavirin! <laughs> and we and we all go, "Oh yes, brilliant, of course, yes."
1: I I did kind of wanted want to add on like the third page, so that the men are all arguing over who would be the best person to protect the ladies as they're going through the palace, and they eventually settle on a genin. Although the, the three men are arguing, and the the really obvious choice is a genin, who is you know a proven warrior and she can just throw on a third dress and look like the other two girls it's perfect
0: yeah as opposed to the other guys who are like what they he why would right. two serving girls be walking around with a dude uh what yeah the why the two serving girls the... and an old man you know like right. what, <laughs> <laughs> what? doesn't make any sense he can't be like carrying some shit like and he wouldn't be protecting them in the palace
1: but three servants three serving women carrying baskets is not suspicious no two serving girls carrying a basket and captain damon looming over them is suspicious (laughs) it's like okay i get that you got to carry these gifts but what's this guy doing here
0: but meanwhile i mean she is underneath the robe pretty battle-hardened she is a skilled fighter damon took you know they they went hand-to-hand for a minute and they basically fought to a draw and Bale Domon is a much larger, stouter man, so that sort of tells you. And he basically says, "I only know a few men that would be up to, to taking her down." So she's she's a fighter, you know. She's she's a brawler, and that could definitely come in handy and take somebody by surprise.
1: Yeah, and to Doman's credit, he's the only of the of the men who, when Aguinan and eventually offers after each man offers their argument, he agrees with Aguinan that this does make sense. And like you said. Mm says I, I can only think of a couple of men that I know that I would if I had to bet who would win in a fight, I, I think that maybe I know a couple of guys who might stand a chance is essentially what he's saying, which is, you know, can't do better than that, essentially is what he's saying. And
0: I do think this foreshadows her becoming uh Gwen's warder. She basically basically is acting as these women's warder in this moment. Yeah,
1: yeah. That's true. I didn't really think of it that way, but she is.
0: Yeah. No, so I, I think of Aguinan as, a, you know, I guess really the second female warder behind Brigida, that you sort of have these women who are a little more oriented in doing things in a physical way. Yeah. Rather than using magic. And they're like these strong warrior. And I, they're some of my favorite characters, like Aguinan and Brigida, like these sort of-
1: The women not warriors. Not major
0: characters. Yeah, the women warriors. Like, they 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 make me happy.
1: I know. That's why I love Bane and Chiad so much. They're just such a- Right you know this this incredible physical force and god especially when i was first started reading first started reading the wheel of time many many years ago that was just not a really a thing in in fantasy fiction or in in sci-fi it was really hard to find these powerful female characters and you know i'm not saying there were none but not nearly as many as as the as powerful male warriors that's like right that's like every other fantasy novel ever written
0: and i think that's that's often why like Nynaeve and moraine get such uh high billing because they're just these really cool really strong female characters who aren't perfect but that makes them human you know well yeah as as opposed to like women who you know are are written to be uh, trophies which i find really really annoying and really, really common.
1: It's also yeah. I mean, lowest common denominator. It's boring and predictable. You know, give us, give me something that will surprise me a little, or do something
0: different than all the other books I've written or read, rather. And just like make them more believable and real people. Like it doesn't. That's that's what really kills me. Is it's like they just they, they're. I want to read and believe that these people are real, and you're you're sucking at that. <laughs> if you, like if you're if you're treating women like trophies you're just you're, you're you're a shit writer in my opinion sorry soapbox
1: moving on no that's okay you know often when i think about have those thoughts about the wheel of time i wonder if i ever had to write i mean i'm not a novel writer by any stretch of the imagination but if i had to write a good female character i feel like that would be very difficult for me as a someone who's you know my entire life experiences as a male character i think it would be difficult to to do
0: that I, I firmly believe that everything i've ever written is terrible terrible writing don't care like, <laughs> <laughs> like i'm a good enough reader just to, to 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 criticize terrible writing and i can look at everything i've written and go yep that's terrible writing." <laughs> um but that doesn't mean I, I can't criticize other people's terrible writing
1: would be I'm, I'm I guess also not surprised that there's not very many you know and also in fantasy and science fiction there have been very few female authors so maybe it's not that big of a surprise that there's very few strong female characters.
0: Go read Robin Hobb and Margaret Weiss and Hickman and N.K. Jemisin. Le Guin. yeah, Ursula Le Guin. Like there there are folks out there who are there are good female fantasy writers out there. They just don't have the the top billing that some of the male fantasy writers have. Surprise! Anyway. Octavia Butler, also. Good good fantasy. Octavia
1: Butler? I don't think I've any re- ever uh, read any of her stuff.
0: Or Sorry, good sci-fi, not fantasy.
1: So, the Domon and the guards surrounding the cart and the serving girls with their peppers in the cart first pass through a ring of white cloaks that are guarding the palace, and then they pass through a ring of the palace guards guarding the
0: palace. And the white cloaks led by Jacob Carradine, a.k.a. Bors, a.k.a. Dark Friend Alert, the guy who we've been talking about for a while, who's basically installed the Panarch at the request of Alric and uh, at the behest of the Forsaken mogedian to get the Black Aja in there so they can look for various artifacts. That's not at mogedians behest because that's just the Black Aja that want that. mogedian yeah. already has access.
1: The only thing I wanted to point out about the guards is that the White Cloaks wave them through and then domon just pays the palace guards to, <laughs> <laughs> to let them through. This is obviously just like a ton of corruption and, I mean, um, desperate poverty,
0: I think, also. And this is a place that's, like, there's so much corruption that they don't really rule any area outside their immediate city, and they're just, you know, desperately trying to get by. And there's no real power except the White Cloaks. And so the Palace Guard is just, like – whatever we 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 don't know, know even know if we're going to get paid tomorrow like <laughs> right who knows if this government's gonna last like give me some money and i'll let you through
1: in places and situations like that
0: cops start taking bribes
1: because they can and they want their families to survive you know
0: and and they're not getting paid in in many cases like when society breaks down one of the things that often does uh go down with it is like paying for social services like cops right but they're still out there with their badges you know so, guess what? We'll enforce the law for some cash.
1: Right. Um, which is why, like I always say, the government is just the mafia, but there's only one. <laughs> <laughs> they're better organized and, uh, you know, it's very similar system.
0: What a lot of, of terrorist organizations do out there is they, they actually win favor by supplying certain things to the people. And, like... They're, like, proto-governments. Yeah, that are they, often, they really do. You know, they have to be really violent to survive. But they're probably – Yeah, partners. they're crappy, terrible governments. But like – and you would never want to be under one and they 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 absolutely should be eliminated. But like they, they exist by creating a really, really terrible government that is often more organized and better for the general person than, than the chaos that was there. Yeah. yeah. Which brings me back to the Sean Chan, which is to say – are they a mafia like organization that's simply that providing some stability through terrorism? I mean, you might say the animals they, and the dominate they have basically provide them with the ability to bomb anyone at any time. And that's, that's what really makes, and you know, they talk about how like any violation of the rules, no matter how minor can result in punishment, which to me sounds like a a religious extremist.
1: It is kind of cult like,
0: but, I mean, you could make
1: the argument also that without the use of, I don't want to get too much into this, but without the use of things like terroristic threats, how would any government survive? Like what government doesn't use violent, the threat of violence, the constant threat of violence and like taking away your freedom to enforce its laws? It's the only way it can or has been done so far. You don't pay your taxes man you've been living in america too long <laughs> <laughs> you don't pay your taxes you don't you don't pay your bribe to the mob then they come and take your stuff
0: yeah Bo- i mean that that is one way of looking at yeah. it yeah
1: and they might take away your freedom or you know
0: anyway <laughs> <laughs> but the response is we provide services that like what you're paying for is not we're not just taking away your sure
1: way more your advanced. income
0: yeah, services. we're we're actually providing you're paying for something and that something is, you know, public roads and health programs and public art programs and all the stuff that the government provides that we need and live with and we can debate uh about exactly how that money is spent and we certainly do quite a bit. But that's supposedly what the money is for. <laughs> sure, sure.
1: I yeah, that's what I mean when I say the mafia is a proto-government. It's a government that's not as good as a government
0: at doing what it yeah. does. I guess technically, a government is not for a not-for-profit mafia. Is how I would think of it. Yeah, a, a good one anyway. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, that's that's really how we should we should start qualifying our governments: a for-profit mafia and a non-for-profit mafia.
1: <laughs> well, that's a fun topic.
0: Well, let me drink some water. And we can get back to the book.
1: The women take their baskets, walk in, and, of course, Marilyn Genelfine, who was once of the Brown Aja, now of the Black, was sitting in the kitchen, and their, you know, spike of nervousness, as they think they might be recognized, but they're not.
0: Yeah, and, well, that's a real risky uh, situation, because that's like walking by someone with a glowing light and hoping they don't, like, see the light. Oh, right. Because, like...
1: They could be recognized simply because they have the ability to channel.
0: Exactly. She didn't have to see them. She could just sense them right there. And so they they got really lucky. She was so busy with the cute
1: giddy, little beauty. <laughs> she's petting a cat and feeding it yep.
0: milk.
1: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> just Saved by a kitten. Stare at the floor and walk right by, and she doesn't look up. There's also Elaine channels, and she's banking on the other sisters in the building thinking that it's one of that it's one of their number who's doing the channeling.
0: Yeah, well, cuz they sense channeling's coming from the room. Right. And they can't tell who it is. They just and she's already channeling, so
1: Yeah, so I mean, that's my point is just that it provides a little bit of cover, but it's um not very reassuring. Um they Strip and redress. They dump out the peppers just right on the floor and th- throw the dresses on.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Nobody wants those. Nobody. <laughs> it's a lie. The ghost peppers are a lie. And they have like
1: much nicer dresses, which, like I, I was saying earlier, are kind of the uh, palace servant uniform. And they have hand-drawn maps that Tom and Domon made for them to tell them where to go. There's a cute moment where one of they're like walking through a kitchen and one of the head cooks like turns around and starts yelling at them. She's like,
0: oh, you're coming for the breakfast of Lady Ispan, which is one of the black Aes as- as-
1: Oh, yeah. She she assumes they're her personal servants and says something like, oh, you're just going to stand around like a bunch of lazy sows. just <laughs> like starts berating them. And Elaine's afraid to say anything because they don't have a the Tarabon accent accent. So she bobs a curse, curtsy to the cook, and, right. and then the cook's just pissed. They're like, oh, so you're mocking me now. <laughs> and Elaine can't understand. She's like, well, servants so always curtsy to me like that. But, of course, she's royalty, and this is right. like a sous chef. Like, she's, you know, <laughs> <and you're, laughs> it's an elaborate bow. She's like, fuck you. <laughs>
0: But as a queen, that's the kind of bow you would expect, you know? Right. (laughs) It's like, what? Everybody just doesn't
1: bow to everyone? I don't know what
0: she's thinking. (laughs) What? What? That's
1: (laughs) Yeah. And so the cook starts starts yelling louder and Elaine just runs away, Mm. which works. (laughs) Probably what she should have done in the first place.
0: Overweight cook. They don't run very fast.
1: (laughs) Probably got stuff to do, too, you know?
0: Right, right. Well, you can't leave the bread to burn.
1: Now they stop in one of the storerooms and just kind of pick up props. Like, Nynaeve takes her duster, like feather duster, and goes off to the museum and pretends to be, like, meticulously taking care of the items there.
0: And totally leaves Aguinan behind because she's Sean Chan and Nynaeve can't overcome her anger at her, which is a shame because Aginan would have come in real handy during that fight. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Definitely. Especially since in this scene aguinan picks a she picks up a like mortar and pestle she picks the like the crushing implement the like stone rod essentially they use in that setup and like what her intent is to use it as a cudgel in case anything goes down. It's a good move
0: does so she doesn't get a chance to use it, but it would have been would have been effective against a forsaken skull, yeah yeah anyway. So that's they split up because they all they have different goals. Nynaeve is going for the bracelets and the seal. And what is Egwene going for or Elaine going for? Oh, she's going for the Panarch. Oh right. To rescue Amathera and Nynaeve is yeah, going for the, the bracelets and the seal. And the seal. The domination bracelets.
1: Oh, and I forgot this part of the plan. Tom Julin and doman have worked together over the last couple of days to essentially incite a riot outside of the palace as the girls go in and this should in theory draw away a lot of eyes ears and fists from the women while they're they're doing what what they need to get done hopefully to create enough chaos it'll be a nice smoke smoke screen for them
0: it gets super out of hand yeah <laughs> the riot spreads to the entire city like it's the it's the the point f- you know when doesn't tom and julian they're like oh no not another falma and she's like no no this <laughs> won't happen that won't happen again and then you're helping her start a riot like seriously guys
1: <laughs> tom and julian spread a bunch of rumors to get everything like heated and then Dilman uses his soldiers or sailors or whatever you want to call them To kind of pick fights and incite people and and get the pot stirring now that it's hot. And then it explodes. It works like too well. (laughs) And and in an already brittle political and economic situation like we were talking about before, like things are already ready to pop off. This isn't the first riot. But when it's um, when someone plans one, it really pops off.
0: I'm kind of imagining like a teenager flushing a like cherry bomb and like thinking it's just gonna be a funny little explosion and then like the toilet falling apart and him be like, Oh no, that's not what I was trying to do <laughs> like that that went too far. And it's like all right, good job Elaine. <laughs> you blew up the toilet. They
1: just meant to spray toilet water everywhere, but instead there's like shrapnel flying through the air now.
0: <laughs> right. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, somebody's somebody lost an eye on this one.
1: This is right as the three women are splitting up. A trumpet sounded faintly from outside. A moment later, a gong rang inside, and shouted orders drifted down the hall. Men in steel caps appeared for a moment down the hallway, running. Maybe we will not have to worry about guards on her door, Elaine said. The riot had begun in the streets. Rumors spread by Tom and Julen to gather the crowd. Demand sailors to egg them on. She regretted the necessity, but the disturbance would pull most of the guards out of the palace, maybe all with luck. Those people out there did not know it, but they fought in a battle to save their city from the Black Aja, and the world from the shadow. I just liked that little, little bit there.
0: Yeah, I always thought, felt like that was a bit of a cop-out.
1: I mean, it kind of is, but it's kind of true as well. It's
0: kind, of, I know. It's, t- it's just like, was the riot really necessary? Maybe
1: an attempt at a justification. Yeah. As much as it's also, there's some truth in there too. It's a bit gray. Yeah,
0: I guess they really couldn't move around freely unless all the guards had been pulled out. You can't just steal things out of a museum unless, like, the guards are off dealing with a riot. Yeah,
1: they're kind of hedging their bets a bit. Like, what they are. The initial plan may have worked by itself, but, you know, they're adding elements to help ensure success, hopefully.
0: I'm skeptical of how. Much those people are actually fighting to save, you know, and how much they're just riding because oh, they are just riding. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> they, they don't they don't
1: know they're they're just angry because they're hungry.
0: <laughs> yeah,
1: hungry and desperate. Right after that, we have Elaine and Aguinan approach Amethera's um, d- bedroom door, or, or or like room door, or whatever. Yeah, her palace official yeah. apartments or something. And we hear her uh, singing the body songs.
0: My thighs are strong, as strong as anchor chains. <laughs> my breasts are round, my hips are too. I can flatten the whole ship's crew. <laughs> oh god.
1: <laughs> but yeah, that's a direct quote. <laughs> and we see Aguinan and Elaine make a quick plan where basically Aguinan throws the door open and by the time Tamale uh, realizes what's happening, she's cut off from the source. Throw open the doors, Aguinan. Then drop down so I can see everything. The Shan Shan woman hesitated. Throw open the doors. Elaine's voice surprised her. She had not tried to make it anything, but it was quiet, calm, commanding. And Aginan nodded and immediately flung open both doors.
0: And then she kicks Taimil's ass. <laughs> This this is the equivalent of that, you know, 300-pound bully going up against a little kid. Elaine is much stronger than any other individual Aes Sedai. I mean, she's able to cut her off while she's holding the source.
1: Yeah, yeah.
0: So there's just not that many Aes Sedai at her power level, and Tamil clearly is nowhere close.
1: I'll read a little bit again to illustrate the scene. The Dark-Braided Singer... "'Standing wrapped in flows of air to her neck "'and a soiled, wrinkled, tarabiner gown of red silk "'cut off short as the doors banged back. "'A frail-appearing woman, "'lounging in pale blue of a high-necked, Kyrianin cut on a long, padded bench, "'ceased nodding her head to the song "'and leapt to her feet, "'outrage replacing the grin on her fox-shaped face. "'The glow of Sidar already surrounded Tamale, "'but she did not have a chance. "'Appalled at what she saw.' Elaine embraced the true source and lashed out hard with flows of air, webbing her from shoulders to ankles, wove a shield of spirit and slammed it between the woman and the source. The glow around to vanished, and she went flying across the bench as if she had been struck by a galloping horse, eyes rolling up into her head to land unconscious on her back three paces away on the green and gold carpet. The dark braided woman gave a start as the flows around her winked out of existence, felt it herself in wondering disbelief as she stared from Tamale to Elaine and a I figured I'd just leave it there, but yeah, that really illustrates that. Elaine says, like, Tamale is ready, like, she embraced. She's holding the source, she's channeling when Elaine walks in but Lane is so much more powerful than Tamale that she has no problem just cutting her right off.
0: And she may not have been holding all of the power that she could. It may have just been because she wasn't like holding a shield or anything like that. She may have just had like a little bit of power, but even so I still think it was um, pretty much just like kick down the door, punch her in the face.
1: <laughs> yeah. And there, there is at, at the like end of this page, I just kind of wanted to note that um, Elaine has a thought. Perhaps learning how to handle those heavy weavings from Jordan had increased her strength. All the girls are getting stronger every day, mm-hmm. and they're practicing all the time. And you know, Elaine knocked to mail out with with her whatever she did with those flows of air, which seems it seems unlikely that she would have been able to do that. You know, some short time ago, even she spent all this time practicing with an expert, and it paid off.
0: Yeah, and I think now we see the girls as Aes Sedai, like, top-tier Aes Sedai equivalents. And they, they do continue to get even better as they, like, you know, eventually capture Moghetti and then get to learn all her tricks and, and do all that kind of stuff. But at this point, they are essentially individually able to overcome just about any individual Aes Sedai. O-
1: overpower a train channeler or, or outfight a train channeler. Which they're technically not.
0: Not fully. For. I mean, well, you can debate about that. They've been trained as weapons quite a bit.
1: Yeah. They have not tower trained, but when you get closer to the end of the series, you start real, one questioning how much being tower trained is really beneficial.
0: <laughs> yeah. It's it's really better to be not tower it's trained, like, yes. as we see with, like, <laughs> Codswain was tower, not tower trained.
1: Oh, that's right.
0: She was trained... Yeah, and she was, like, one of the most powerful. And devious. You know, Moraine was, yeah.
1: Oh, yeah, Moraine is a wilder as well, technically.
0: Yep, technically. But she spent most of her life outside the tower. That's true. Once once she was raised uh, to Aes Sedai, you know, and then, of course, everything that goes on with the Supergirls. But, you know, I, I think a lot of it has to do with the fact that the the tower is infested with the Black Aja. I think they weed out the most powerful of the Aes Sedai.
1: Yeah, and just active act of sabotage going on all the time from the inside.
0: Because there's a lot of ways in which a trainee can just die or disappear. That's true. Or be encouraged to run away. And like, if you do that to all the most powerful contenders, then you can very quickly kneecap the organization and the power of, of the White Tower. Which is partially why I think that there's no, there's very few powerful potential Aes Sedai.
1: Yeah, not to mention they're like not even trying to look for new. Well, yeah, you know? there's
0: that. They're freaking terrible at looking. That's also. Like, yes, come to
1: us. That's also, I think, must be a, a Black Aja effect. Because it's such a simple thing. Like, you want more channelers? Go look for them.
0: <laughs> and there's so many out there. Like, we see the, the Sean Chan discover just tons of channelers that are just hanging out on that side of the continent. And, like, as soon, you know, they imprison them all but like they, I, I was reading the scene with Perrin where he gets the the fork root tea and what they've been doing is just they ship that out and they have checkpoints where they just make everyone drink a little fork root and like they're capturing tons and tons of female channelers yeah. so they're out there and they're just being ignored
1: we get some stuff from Amethera here just saying that it amused them to make me give justice and sometimes pronouncements of horrible injustice rulings that will cause strife for generations and then this is where we find out that they were actually torturing her with the peppers just making
0: her eat plates full of them yeah forcing me to eat them right <laughs> and then like making her dropping her off a tower in the world of dreams which would have killed her yeah which would have killed her if she did the ground i think over and over yeah so they were like just messing with her life
1: and then Amatera wants to get all uppity and be like, I will dispense justice to these women who have so unjustly blah, blah, blah. And Elaine's like, no, no, you're not.
0: <laughs> I'll tell you what you're going <laughs> to do. We're getting the hell out of here. <laughs> we are vastly outnumbered. We are in trouble. We are. This is a rescue mission.
1: And yeah. And she's like, and we will be leaving
0: quietly. <laughs> <laughs> you're very, very quiet. We're hunting ice to die. I like the little threat where she's like, but you can't use the power as a weapon. And she looks down at the woman who she just beat the crap out of with the power. And it's like, <laughs> well, well, and, and the oaths wouldn't stop her from hurting a dark friend. So right. she can use the weapon as one power against a dark friend. You could have done that. What she just did anyway. Yeah.
1: And even I think what she does to Amatera when Amatera is like, you know, making her starts making her pronouncements or whatever, and Elaine grabs her by each individual braid with little flows of air and picks her up so her tippy toes so she's standing on her tippy toes. And that's when she's like Here's here's what we're gonna do.
0: She's that's yeah. totally within the realm of something I said I do, which is punish they can punish, they just can't hurt.
1: Yeah, you can punish and inflict pain, you just can't kill people.
0: <laughs> Interesting
1: distinction there. Right. As a is a switch a weapon? No. No, not really. You know what I mean? And right after that, we switched to Nenev's perspective, Just walking around the Great Exhibition Hall with its multitude of thin columns. Feather duster moving over all the little tchotchkes that are collected there. <laughs> <laughs>
0: they're Quendiar tchotchkes, but they're Quendiar the chachkeys. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> they're, they're worth more than any and then anyone alive, and they can't be destroyed by veilfire. <laughs> but they're tchotchkes. But they're,
1: Yeah, they're like little statues of elephants or whatever. I think it's supposed to be an elephant, the one that Nynaeve really looks at. I do too. Yeah.
0: The the bones that are welded together that she talks about the with a, let's it look like, a long-legged horse with a neck that pushes its skull up 20 feet? A uh,
1: giraffe. Yeah.
0: But I was just thinking, like, how much of the little, like, cultural stuff that we dig up are just, like, little buddha statues and fertility goddesses aren't those just little tchotchkes that ancient people had sitting around
1: yeah i mean yeah totally religious
0: tchotchkes but still
1: yeah it's tchotchkes (laughs) 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 they're just like little things to decorate that you you don't need them there's like you know they don't really have a useful purpose that's what tchotchkes god i feel like
0: i've said the word tchotchkes now so many times it's become completely meaningless not that it meant anything to me really to begin with but like yeah
1: trinkets like two and a half pages and then a break and then a pa- page or something like that. Cause I didn't want to just straight up read five pages. Yeah. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I love this scene. I mean, this is when I think about Nynaeve and Nynaeve Mogedon and that relationship and like the contestants and the fact that I've, I've called them like mirror characters and like, I mean, they're just, they are set up here so well to be antagonists against each other that it affects, you know, the rest, and then, you know, how Mogedian's balefire is what frees Nynaeve from her block. I just, I love the way Jordan uses the antagonistic relationships between Mogedian and Nynaeve, like he does with Rand and Moradin, to make the characters more powerful.
1: Yeah, oh, I like that. We've talked about this a little bit before about how. Th- A lot of the characters, at least we kind of think, are sort of paired, probably on purpose. So they have their, you know, parent slayer, you know?
0: Yeah. I mean, the balance is an important thing. And like, it's not always one to one, but. No,
1: no. But they're they're often feels like kind of
0: direct rivalries. It does. It does. And this one is just Delicious.
1: Play for free at LuckyLandslots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Boyd were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Before the read-in, Nynaeve is like she's walking through and she's having one of her like running tirades in her head where she's just like yelling angry things kind of in her own, just in her own mind. And the last one is again and making me like a filthy Sean Chan the sudden incongruity of the last thought hit her abruptly she realized she was deliberately making herself angry angry enough to channel she embraced the source the power filled her and the serving woman with the tree and leaf on her shoulder entered the columned hall quivering with the urge to channel nynaeve waited even lifting the duster running the feathers over the collar and bracelets the serving woman started down the pair of pale floor stones She would go in a moment, and Yneve would, what, slip the things into her belt pouch and take them, but... The serving woman would go? Why did I think she'll leave instead of staying to work? She glanced sideways up the room at the woman coming toward her. Of course, no broom or mop, no feather duster, not even a rag. Whatever she's here for cannot take lo- Suddenly, she saw the woman's face clearly. Sturdily handsome, framed by dark braids, smiling in an almost friendly fashion but not really paying her any mind, certainly not threatening in any way. Not quite the same face, but she knew it. Before thought, she struck out, weaving a hammer-hard flow of air to smash that face. In an instant, the glow of Sidar surrounded the other woman. Her features changed, somehow more regal now, prouder. Mogadian's face remembered, and startled as well. Surprised she had not approached unsuspected, and Nynaeve's flow was sliced razor-clean. She staggered under the whiplash recoil, like a physical blow, and the Forsaken struck with a complex weave of spirit streaked by water and air. Nynaeve had no idea what it was meant to do. Frantically, she tried to cut it as she had seen the other woman do, with a keen-edged weave of spirit. For a heartbeat, she felt love, devotion, worship for the magnificent woman who would deign to allow her to... The intricate weave parted, and Mogedian missed a step. A tinge remained in Nynaeve's mind, like a fresh memory of wanting to obey, to grovel and please. What had happened at their first meeting all over again, it heated her rage. The knife-sharp shield that Egwene had used to still Amiko Nagoyan sprang into being. More weapon than shield. Lashed at Mogedion, and was blocked, woven spirit straining against spirit, just short of severing Mogedian from the source forever. Again, the Forsaken's counter-blow came, slashing like an axe, and tended to cut Nynaeve off in the same way, forever. Desperately, Nynaeve blocked it. Suddenly, she realized that under her anger, she was terrified. Holding off the other woman's attempt to steal her while trying to do the same, to her, took everything she had— the power boiled in her till she thought she must burst. Her knees quivered with the effort of standing, and all went into those two things. She could not spare enough to light a candle. Magedian's acts of spirit waxed and waned in sharpness, but that would not matter if the woman managed to drive it home. Nynaeve could not see any real difference in outcome between being steeled by the woman and merely, merely, being shielded at her and at her mercy. The thing brushed against the flow of power from the source into her, like a knife hovering over a chicken's stretched neck. The image was all too apt. She wished she had not thought of it. In the back of her mind, a tiny voice gibbered at her. Oh, light, don't let her, don't let her, light, please, not that. For a moment, she considered letting go her own attempt to cut Mogedian off. For one thing, she had to keep forcing it back to a razor edge. The woven flows did not want to hold the keenness. Letting go and using that strength to force Mogetian's attack farther back, maybe sever it. But if she tried, the other woman would not need to defend. She could add that strength to her own attack, and she was one of the forsaken, not just a black sister, a woman who had been I said I in the Age of Legends, when I said I had been able to do things undreamed of now, if Mogedian threw her whole strength at her. A man who came in then, or any woman unable to channel, would have seen only two women facing each other across the white silk rope from a distance of less than ten feet, two women staring at one another in a vast hall full of strange things, They would have seen nothing to say it was a duel, no leaping about and hacking with swords as men would do, nothing smashed or broken, just two women, standing there, but a duel all the same, and maybe to the death, against one of the forsaken. "'All my careful planning ruined,' Mogidion said abruptly in a tight, angry voice, white knuckled hands gripping her skirts. "'At the very least, I shall have to go to untold effort to put everything back as it was. It may not be possible.' Oh, I do mean to make you pay for that, Nynaeve Almira. This has been a cozy hiding place, and those blind women have a number of useful items in their possession, even if they do not. She shook her head, lips peeling back to bare teeth in a snarl. And then she starts um,
0: kind of just threatening Nynaeve and saying mean, cruel, weird things. Just a couple of points I want to hit. First of all, do you think Moghedeon comes in because Nynaeve seizes the source? That's what I always thought. Well, maybe not. Be- she was deliberate in making herself angry. Angry enough to channel. She embraced the source. The power filled her. Period. Capital. And a serving woman entered the hall. Like, it's almost instantaneous. Like, she was being watched, and as soon as she embraced the source, she pops out. But it's almost too fast, you know? Like, she... W- Either Mogedon is walking over there
1: anyway, or Mogedian Feels or Ormogedion feels someone channeling, and that's the reason that she comes. But when she walks in and sees Nynaeve, I think kind of either way, she thinks that she's got Nynaeve hooked. She thinks that Nynaeve is compelled, so it should be fine.
0: Yeah, she doesn't realize that they've broken the compulsion and remember the last time she encountered them. Because remember the first time she encountered them, they channeled in the city in order to protect Agenin. And she sensed that, followed them back to their apartments, put them under compulsion, and compelled them and questioned them. Right.
1: And that's what I think. I I
0: can't prove it, but. And I think what she's basically doing is she's watching over the sad bracelets. She's cast a weave on them. She's hiding the 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 seal. seal. Yeah. And so she's sort of made this her hiding spot. And when she sees all the soldiers go running out to the riot, she heads to her stash.
1: I think that's probably the case. Because, I mean, otherwise, Mogedon would have to do something like sense that Nynaeve was there and, and travel or something. So she must have been nearby. Right. Because I, I don't think that.
0: So I think she was nearby and just sort of watching Nynaeve. And as soon as Nynaeve embraces the source, she pops out.
1: Also, Nynaeve so- shows some signs of being still, like, slightly compelled, where I actually just got it as I was reading that. I didn't.
0: Oh, so I think what's going on there is the first attack is actually the compulsion weave. And it actually, Nynaeve starts to cut it, it hits her, she gets a little bit of compulsion, and then the cut finishes, and that frees her from the compulsion. So I don't think this is from the last time, I think this is from the touch of compulsion she gets, which is Mogedian's first attack.
1: Oh yeah, but I'm I'm talking about right in the beginning, quivering with the urge to channel all that... And then Nynaeve sees another serving woman and just immediately seems she would go soon, I'm sure. And it kind of, she has to work through. Like, I don't know. It just kind of looks, I don't know. It's a little suspicious, but maybe that could just be. Normal.
0: I think she's just being like, oh, she's going to go because she doesn't have anything with her. And then being like, wait, that's weird. Why wouldn't she have anything with her? And, you know, yeah. like, I'm, I'm, that's why I'm carrying around this duster so that people think I'm. It's almost the reverse of like. They picked up items so they would be thought of as having something to do, and it worked in reverse because then they spotted somebody who was out of place because she wasn't doing anything.
1: Mm, yeah. Does that make sense? Yeah.
0: And then as soon as she sees the face, she's like, "Oh, that's Mogedon. That's her." Yeah.
1: Yeah. I'll just I'll pick up at the rest of the reread. It's basically uh, Mogedian says like all the nasty things that she's going to do to Nynaeve and. Is kind of talking to her and, and just like in a long running shit talk session, essentially. Yeah. This is, it's like two young kids playing basketball and they're just like talking shit to each other. It's mental distract your opponent. You don't
0: really. Yeah. Yeah. But there's some good information in there too. I, I kind of imagine like two guys each with a knife in the right hand, holding the other persons with their left hand. And like the harder you push on y- your knife, you know, the other person's knife is going to get closer to you. So these they've sort of set each other up where they're in this like almost. Uh, but the knives are threatening to cut them off from the power, not to stab them in the heart. Right. No,
1: well, that's a good way to look at it. It's as as if they both had, yeah, a, a sharp blade bared toward the other. And they're just literally pressing. It's the way I visualize it anyway. The sharp edge on sharp edge against one another to see who slips first, or to see if one blade cuts the other blade.
0: Well, I think there's actually, I think there's a blade and a shield that both are maintaining. That both, like, uh, Mogedian is a blade and Nynaeve is blocking it. Yeah, And then she's okay. has her own attack that's also being blocked. So I think there's that trade-off of, like, I could put more effort into pushing but then I would have to weaken my block and it, and then it would get through
1: They're just doing everything under their power to do these two tasks. Exactly. And I always, I love this scene so much for the, even the very first time I read it because of that one paragraph that I made sure that was in, in the read that I did where there's RJ is sure to explain to you that there are just two women standing 10 feet away from each other in a room, staring at each other. And that's all that would be happening to a non-channeler. And so it's it's a really bizarre. It's just a quiet room, and they're just like <laughs> making dead eye contact.
0: <laughs> I, I always imagine, and I think someone said it here, like some janitor in the background just like mopping the floor, just like <laughs> with e- echoing footsteps, just like. And then, you know, you flash back into being able to see the power and you see these like (laughs) massive forces and, you know, and these massive forces are being telegraphed all over the palace. Like they are using so much power that every black sister in the palace is like, holy shit, something's Mm. going down. Because these are, again, two off the chart powerful channelers uh, in terms of female power. Uh, And they're going both as hard as they can for a while. So – that's a lot of power that's a lot of power i mean if you remember like back when matt was being healed and nynaeve is like oh i could hold about half that much power well, yeah. well the two between the two of them they are holding that much power and that was what six i said and song
1: something like that so yeah.
0: you know it's like whoa that's that's a lot of power and they she's probably gotten more powerful since then that was a while ago um so anyway putting it in context
1: I, that's one of the things I've always looked forward to. If there's ever a watch show or movie, I always said that scene. of yeah. just,
0: <laughs> well, and that's, that's when people ask me like, how are they going to do magic in the TV show? I point to this scene. I'm like, you wouldn't have to do anything in some cases. Yeah. A lot of what, you wouldn't have to do anything. A lot of what they're going to do is, like, have two people staring at each other, and then you're going to see one little thing move. Or you're going to see an explosion, which we all know they can, you know, yeah. someone change appearance, which, again, you just do a cut. And you can even um, you just, know, like, the-
1: move back and forth. Like, you could show Nynaeve and Moghedeon staring at each other and then look through Nynaeve's eyes and then come back. Like you Or totally. you could you – could do either. You could
0: do a few seconds of battle and then flashback to nothing happening. Yeah. And then just, like, focus on, like, sweaty faces because they're both dripping sweat. I, yeah, <laughs> I really look
1: forward to the kind of bizarreness of just two people staring at each other and, like, sweating. Yeah.
0: <laughs> and then one falls over and dies. End battle. <laughs> one thing I think that's that's going to be really, really hard to do, and I hope they get it right, is there's a lot of humor in the wheel of time and played upright. It could be, you could play a lot of scenes for laughs in the same way that like, I think game of Thrones has a lot of humor in it, right? Like the best writing, no matter how dark it is, has a good amount of humor built into it. And I think the wheel of time does. And I think that like, I hope that they don't create either something that's so corny. It's not funny or something that's like so serious that it doesn't have its funny moments oh
1: no totally and there's like there's tons of little things you could do with that i had that reminds me i had the thought while i was reading these chapters when elaine is riding in the wagon with the other women and nynaeve's just like letting her body bounce around and again very good at that kind of moving with the wagon and elaine is just being like slammed every time the cart hits a bump i'm imagining her sitting with like Perfect posture with her nose like slightly up in the air, you know, and she and so every time the cart hits, uh, goes through over a little hole, her tailbone is just getting slammed into the like she needs to loosen up. (laughs) Yeah, she's just at this in this rigid. That's the way I pictured it. And you could do a ton of stuff with things. Oh, totally. You know,
0: (laughs) the way she keeps eating her veil. Yeah, (laughs) because she's got her nose stuck up in the air and everyone else is like. Just put your nose down, and she's just – I mean, you don't even have to say anything about it. You just have the character be constantly going <laughs> – in the background, you know, whenever there's a scene. She's just like pulling – you know, have her pull the Jesus veil out Elaine, of her how mouth. How do you not learn? <laughs> it's a, We get a clue about Ravine that he has a queen dancing on his knee. And, of course, I think between everything else, we've been able to put together that that – we should at this point have been able to put together that that's Gabriel – with Morghais. Right. I think. Yeah. I mean, certainly we know that, but yeah. And she offers to give, give Nynaeve to Ravine. And then she says, so you discovered that little gem behind you. I wondered how you did, wondered how you did that. And she didn't understand. So she either doesn't understand need in Teleron Riyadh or just doesn't know that Nynaeve has access to Teleron Riyad. Teleron Yeah. And then we get uh, a bit of a breakdown of what the collars are and how they work, which I thought was pretty interesting. It doesn't really come into play. You know, they get used briefly on Rand by Semarag, but not for, not for very long, not long enough for this feedback thing to come into play. Mm-hmm. One thing I thought was interesting, the collar and the bracelets don't appear to aren't connected, right? Because she throws the collar. Yeah. But leaves the bracelet behind. And so I wonder if that's the inspiration for the ADOM that they end up using on Moggetian later that doesn't specifically have a connected leash between them. If they saw if they're, you know, she was thinking of the sad bracelets, which don't have a specific connection, a physical connection.
1: Adom um, seems like a like a not as well made version of what this is. I mean, it does do something different, but it's almost like a more primitive version because of the rope in between, you know?
0: Oh, that's a good point. That maybe, and and we know that the ADOM was created later. Well, I'm assuming, because this was, the sad bracelets were created um, right after the breaking, is my understanding. Like, during that whole time when they were, like, fearing men who could channel. Whereas the ADOM was created much later by an Aes Sedai after Arthur Hawkwing's... Right. So conquest. So it would make sense that the the Adam would be based on this earlier version, designed for controlling men.
1: Yeah, it is kind of interesting. I had forgotten that Mogetian explains in detail. Basically, she says
0: basically why she doesn't use it. Yeah,
1: you can't destroy it. And she also says, but put the collar on a man who channels, and a woman wearing the bracelets can make him do whatever she wishes. True, but it will not stop him go- from going mad. And there is a flow the other way too eventually he will begin to be able to control you too so you end up with a struggle at every hour not very palatable palatable when he's going mad and then she like breaks down all these possibilities of course you can pass the bracelets around so that nobody's getting too much exposure but then you have to trust someone with the bracelets which
0: Muggleton does not
1: yeah and then she says like two women can wear individual bracelets but that lessens the amount of control that you can flex and Essentially, she kind of ends it all by saying, "So yeah, you could control loose therein, but how useful would that be, and is it worth the price that's why they're still sitting yeah. there,
0: so I guess what you can put both bracelets on your left and right wrist, and that's how you have both bracelets on, yeah, or you c- can give each bracelet to one person, okay, for some reason, I never put that together. I had not gone back and read the description of them in enough detail because I always pictured them as one collar with two chains coming off of it, each connected to a bracelet. I had
1: two. I had forgotten that they were separate, but it rings a bell now. Trembling to contain the power, to hold her woven flows, Nynaeve frowned. Why was the woman telling her all of this? Did she think it did not matter because she was going to win? Why her sudden change from rage to talk? There was sweat on Mogedion's face, too. Quite a lot of sweat, beating on her broad forehead, running down her cheeks. Suddenly, everything changed in Nynaeve's mind. Mogedian's was not a voice tight with anger, it was a voice tight with strain. Mogedian was not suddenly going to hurl all of her strength at her. She already was. The woman was putting out as much effort as she. She was facing one of the forsaken, and far from being plucked like a goose for supper, she had not lost a feather— She was meeting one of the forsaken strength for strength. Milgedion was trying to distract her, to gain an opening before her own strength gave out. If only she could do the same, before her strength went. Do you wonder how I know all this? The collar and bracelets were made after I was, well, we will not talk of that. Once I was free, the first thing I did was seek information about those last days. "'Last years, really. "'There are a good many fragments here and there "'that make no sense to anyone "'who does not have some idea to begin with. "'The Age of Legends. "'Such a quaint name you have given my time. "'Yet, even your wildest tales "'no more than hint at the half. "'I have lived over two hundred years "'when the bore was opened, "'and I was still young, for an eye, said I. "'Your legends are but a pale imitations "'of what we could do. "'Why?' Nynaeve stopped listening. "'A way to distract the woman.' Even if she could think of something to say, Mogedian would be on her guard against the method she herself was using. She could not spare effort for as much as a thread-thin weave, any more than any more than Mogedian could. A woman from the age of legends, a woman long used to wielding the one power, perhaps used to doing almost everything with the power before she was imprisoned and hiding since being freed. How used to doing things without the power had she become? Neneve let her legs sag, dropping her the feather duster. She caught hold of the pedestal to support herself. There is very little fakery needed. Mogidion smiled and took a step nearer. Travel to other worlds, she continues going on, even worlds in the sky. Do you know that the stars are... So sure, that smile. So triumphant. Nynaeve seized the collar, ignoring the joltingly pained emotions that spilled into her, and hurled it, all in one motion. The Forsaken had only begun to gape when the wide black circlet struck her between the eyes. Not a hard blow, certainly not enough to stun, but not expected either. Mogedian's control over her woven flows faltered, just slightly, only for an instant. Yet for that instant, the balance between them shifted. The shield of spirit slid between Mogedian and the source. The halo surrounding her winked out. The woman's eyes bulged. Nynaeve expected her to leap for her throat, and that was what she would have done. Instead, Mogedian jerked her skirts to her knees and ran, with no need to defend herself. It took only a little effort for Nynaeve to weave air around the fleeing woman. The Forsaken froze in mid-stride. Hurriedly, Nynaeve tied her weaving. She had done it. I faced one of the Forsaken and beat her, she thought incredulously. Looking at the woman, held from the neck down by air with the consistency of stone, even seeing her leaning forward on one foot, it was hard to believe. Examining what she had done, she saw it would not be a complete victory as she wanted, the shield had blurred its sharp edge before it slid home. Mogedion was captured and shielded, but not stilled.
0: Shouldn't have tied it off. <sighs>
1: I know. That's just, all I'm saying. I wish she hadn't had tied it off. I wish she had dragged Mogedion with her or just killed her on the spot. Anything.
0: <laughs> right. Well, killing her on the spot would have been bad because they needed her knowledge.
1: It's, I mean, and that's not a move that any of the Supergirls would make. Just outright murder.
0: For, you know. No, but you want that. You want her to. Yeah, I do. Yeah. <laughs> well, we know it's it's actually important that once she says, "Once I got free," the first thing I did was seek information. I think that's that's an important point because I think all the Forsaken did that, and that's what was happening while Rand was up in the mountains.
1: Yeah, they were running
0: around trying to figure out, like, speak the language and find out what was going on, and and you know, establish themselves. And I, I think that fits well into our timeline. And then I like where she says travel to other worlds in the sky. Do you know who the stars are and I bet she was going to say suns just like ours. Yeah. full of planets. So, I just uh, Oh, I like that. That sense. Yeah.
1: We could travel to different worlds, even worlds in the sky. And it I it's fun to listen to Mogetti and try to describe it to someone who has no concept that such a thing is possible. Right. That there are worlds in the
0: sky. <laughs> well, and and it brings me back Back to the idea that the Age of Legends was essentially modern-day level technology, just based on magic, and they had similar understanding of the world and their place in it right. as we do.
1: Guns, cars, planes, rockets. Yeah,
0: you mean shock lances, Joe wings? Oh, I
1: forget what the name for cars was, but yeah, yeah. there's a yeah, there's another. But yeah, all those things and and more. Joe car. Wait, really? Pangolin? Just Joe car? <laughs>
0: This is like Wing and Joe Carr.
1: Yeah, Jeez, I didn't even try
0: that hard on that one. Damn it, Jordan! <laughs> I'm with Joe. I always with Joe and Showwing. Like, what does that stand for? Is that short for something in particular, or is that just a prefix he threw on there? I don't know.
1: Knowing him, it probably does mean something. From that, it is from somewhere. Oh, and then Joe Carr's jumpers and hoverflies. Hoverflies are uh, helicopters.
0: So basically, uh, with Moghetti captured and unable to move, Nynaeve collects her prizes. Yeah. <laughs> so she collects the the, the ring, she, and this is what made me realize that the collar and the bracelets weren't connected, is she walks over, picks up the collar, and goes back to where she, the pedestal, and gets the bracelets. And I'm like, oh, they're separate. And then she gets, she figures out that the seal is being hidden by an illusion,
1: in the shape of a little statue of an elephant. But when Nynaeve looks
0: at it... Shaped roughly like a pig, but with a large round snout and feet as wide as its thick legs. It's a giant pig with a very
1: long snout. Thick legs.
0: Well, and it's not even giant because it's just a little figurine, so she can't really tell scale. Oh,
1: right. <laughs> but that's a pretty good description of an, of, a,
0: um, of an elephant. Like, if you had no other way to say it. Sure, it's... Pig, pigs are mammals, hairless mammals. The, the you know just stretch the snout out a little bit. Yeah. And, and
1: Huge if, pig minus the hooves, and they, but they have kind of like I don't know what you call that elephant feet. <laughs> They're difficult to describe. <laughs> they have <laughs> elephant's feet. I don't know
0: what else you'd call them. They have feet. I don't know. They're wide, round feet.
1: I'm I'm trying to think of another animal that has something that looks like that, and I can't really think of any.
0: I mean, color. have you ever seen the X-ray of an elephant's foot? No. It looks just like ours, bone-wise. It's just really thick padding.
1: Oh, crazy.
0: Like, they have five toes and everything. Like, it it looks like a human foot in there, just way bigger and surrounded by a ton of...
1: Oh, whoa, crazy. Yeah, they're, it's kind of shaped like a... It's as if we were standing on our toes, but our whole foot was surrounded by, like, a big, thick boot. Like, if you had a... I don't know how else to describe it. That's really interesting. I'm glad you said that, because I just assumed they had some totally different...
0: No, no. I mean, that's that's when you look at elephant feet, you, you're like, oh, that's just, like, a weirdly shaped human foot. Mammals are remarkably similar. Yeah, and they just, like, you think you've got calluses on the bottom of your feet.
1: <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's kind that's- of the re- equivalent. <laughs>
0: So she goes to leave Mogedian just basically bound. She's she's got her prizes. She doesn't. She's not going to drag her out of there. So she's just going to leave her bound and gagged and tied off. Yeah. When Kayed? How would you say this name? That doesn't sound right to me.
1: I've in my head. I always say like Jaiin Cade. <laughs> give up on the last <laughs> add as many syllables as I can to the first word and give up on the last one Melisatura says G.N. Kaid? Yep, that could be it
0: Anyway, so she's got the Balefire barely controllable uh, Teron brial that she's about to pop open Yeah, the
1: fluted black rod one pace in length is how it's described but we know it's uh, kind of a bazooka
0: it's kind of crazy that they can, like, put that into a Terran and that they did. That they, like, talk about making no weapons, right? Like, yeah. that's a real freaking serious weapon. It's like a
1: like a satellite-guided missile system, for lack of a better. Like, it's a, a super advanced, super powerful precision
0: weapon. Yeah, I have to wonder if maybe they actually knew how to use it. It would be much, much more powerful. Probably. Or, you know, at least Or if it was, like, part of a system that would, like, target it, you know?
1: Yeah, maybe. That's kind of a, a fun thing about the Wheel of Time universe, that a lot of times you see these tools and you don't even know, like, maybe some of the Terangriel we see our characters using are, like, pieces of other Terangriel
0: like this, you know? We have no idea. So she uses it a couple of times, just blows the shit out of the palace, <laughs> nearly takes out Muggeti in a couple of times, takes out the case with the tchotchkes in it.
1: <laughs> oh no, the tchotchkes. The tchotchkes!
0: <laughs> but no, the tchotchkes survive because they're made of Quendiar, and even balefire doesn't take out tchotchkes. And then she
1: disappears. Yeah, we see, her readout starts right after this, but Hurling flows a fire behind her blindly, hoping to strike something, anything, in the courtyard. you've scrambled away across the hall on hands and knees.
0: Now, I looked up this character and I was like, "Oh, did she die in the balefire fire or 90s, what happened to her?" Random she, what happened? She shows up again later with the group of dark friends. So, mm. she survived. Um and then she ends up dying Tom actually kills her when she tries to sneak into the cave during the last battle. And she's one of the women who has disguised. She's the little woman in the mask of mirrors, dressed as Codswain. Oh, and Tom like throws the knife into her back because she walks wrong. Awesome. And so just just a random, random ass I said I who Black Aja, who pops up a couple more times. But I I was for most of the time before I did the research, I thought that she had died, that the Balefire because because that big you know underlying impossible to control or hard to control thing basically meant that she she ended up dying in this blast but
1: and there's an exchange too I always just thought she died yeah me too or didn't make it out
0: one way or another you know but no she she continues to be in so I, I'm guessing she ran
1: <laughs> yeah <laughs> and also with the amount of damage because she, she's randomly or, or more or less randomly firing this these huge Columns of balefire around, so it, it's like cutting columns, and there's like pieces of the roof are falling down, and there's debris everywhere. So there's this chaotic scene, and which Nineve is throwing giant fireballs at as well, just randomly to, to try to cover her escape.
0: <laughs> so the lights probably all weird. There's stone everywhere, so very easy to lose somebody, and they're in the middle of a palace. Yeah, so uh, she she could have run in any direction.
1: Mogedon seemed to be trying to scream through an invisible gag, head whipping back and forth in a frenzy as she fought her bonds of air, but Ny- Nynaeve spared her no more than a glance. As soon as the balefire disappeared, she raised herself up enough to peer back across the hall, through the rent sod along the chamber wall, beside the fountain. Jane Cade. That's what I'm calling. That's what I'm calling her. <laughs> or Jain Cade. Yeah, okay. Beside the fountain, Jain Cade. "'was swaying, one hand to her head, "'the black rod almost falling from the other. "'But before Nynaeve could strike at her, "'she had clutched the fluted rod again. "'Balefire burst from its end, "'destroying everything in its path through the chamber. "'Dropping almost to her belly, "'Nynaeve crawled the other way as fast as she could, "'amid the crash and clatter of falling columns and masonry. "'Panting, she pulled herself into a corridor, "'slashed through both walls. "'There was no telling how far the balefire had sliced.' all the way out of the palace, perhaps. Twisting about on a carpet littered with bits of stone, she peeked cautiously around the side of the doorframe. The balefire had gone again, silence held in the ruined exhibition hall, except when a weakened piece of stonework gave way and smashed to the rubble-strewn floor. There was no sign of Jane Cade, though enough of the far wall had fallen to show the fountained courtyard clearly. She was not about to risk going to see if the Tarangreal had killed the woman and using it. Her breath came raggedly, and her arms and legs trembled enough that she was glad to lie there for a moment. Channeling took energy the same as any other work. The more you did, the more energy, and the wearier you were, the less you could channel. She was not entirely certain she herself was up to facing even a weakened Jane Cade right then. Such a fool she had been, battling Mogedian with the power, and never thinking that channeling that strong would have every black sister in the palace jumping out of her skin. She was lucky the Domani woman had not arrived with her Tarangreal while she was still absorbed with the Forsaken. They very likely would have both died before they knew she was there. Suddenly, she stared in disbelief. Magedion was gone. The Balefire had not come nearer than ten feet from where she had stood, but she was not there any longer. It was impossible. She had been shielded. How do I know what's impossible? Nynaeve muttered. It was impossible for me to beat one of the Forsaken, but I did it. Still no sign of Ja'in Ka'id. Pushing herself to her feet, she hurried for the appointed meeting place. If only Elaine had not run into, a tr- into trouble, they might make it out of here safely after all. Tried to uh, rotate my pronunciations just to make sure that I'm definitely not getting it right.
0: <laughs> I don't know what's correct. Is, is this what happened to Notre Dame? <laughs> there, was, there was a chandler fight in there. The roof came down. <laughs> too soon too soon <laughs> everyone's saying too soon all right sorry too soon i
1: mean at least it's only a building nobody got hurt well a couple of firemen <laughs> did i heard
0: but it's not sucks that uh, the place came down but i i couldn't help but see the parallel between a museum an ancient museum full of ancient artifacts being destroyed in the book at the same time what the day after the notre dame burned down was that yesterday or the day before
1: yeah, it was a time. couple, a day or two ago. They managed to mainly save it. The roof is yeah, destroyed, but yeah, when I saw the frantic news reports at first, I was like, whoa, it's just going to be gone, isn't it? But no, they yeah. saved the yeah, majority of guessing.
0: it. Right. Just sort of the wooden interior is gone, but the, the stone structure itself survived, and the windows, for the most part, survived. Um, they will have to re- rebuild the spire, but it's it'll it'll come back. But yeah, I just I couldn't help but think of, like, the scenes that you see some video from inside afterwards a little bit that's kind of exactly what i picture going on here in the museum after the bail fire is like big tolls missing a lot of charred stuff like just chaos everywhere You know, obviously a lot of our attention, my attention now, is on JordanCon these days. Even though, you know, partially we want to get some things finalized for SpoilerCon before JordanCon so that we can sort of be there and talking about it and selling it. Um, We're apparently going to be given some cards are getting printed out for us to give out about the con. I think Neil is printing those out for us. Awesome. I will pass them out aggressively. We are also should be getting spoiler ribbons from DT spoiled ribbons from DT. Oh, I forgot for about that. That's badges. awesome. Everyone should have a sticker from Watt Spoilers in their swag bag, which is a, a round sticker, and it'll say WattSpoilers.com and Jordan JordanCon 2019 on it. That is other actually other that, a
1: big boon, and I'm... One of the big things about JordanCon, actually, that I'm really excited about is that everyone is going to get one of those stickers this year. Yeah, and I'm just hoping that just a passive... And I mean, we're going to be on... Panels and stuff too. So, even without a lot of like, you know, direct selling ourselves, people will become aware of us and that just things like that drive internet traffic. People are like, what's this sticker for? So they Google it, you know, look on their phone, check out right, the website. Right. Exactly.
0: Right. They're like, oh, this no, is I, a
1: thing? Cool.
0: Super awesome. Yeah. So, I spent a chunk of money buying that many stickers, but that's, you know, if there's a better used for advertising money, I can't think of it. No. <laughs> you know, like, there's no better audience. There's, they're captive, basically. Those are they're the fanatical. people
1: that would yeah. likely be interested. If you've traveled a great distance to go you listen to people talk about the Wheel of Time, you can listen to us talk about the Wheel of Time. You don't have to go anywhere.
0: <laughs> I mean, obviously, Con is something that's going to be a freaking blast for us, but it's also a big marketing opportunity for us. Oh yeah, we couldn't miss it if only for that reason. I mean, that's one of the reasons why I uh I'm I'm working real hard on this uh, Gleeman costume. I think it looks pretty good. I got pants today, which I'm I'm actually torn on whether or not I want to use them. They make me look more pirate and less Gleeman. <laughs> Cuz they're sort of those puffy pants. So I'm like I'm to- I'll bring them, but I'm I may not use them for the costume. I may just wear jeans.
1: Kelsey says just be a pantsless Gleeman. <laughs> <laughs> Sure to win over the crowd.
0: (laughs) I'm cosplaying drunk Tom. (laughs) Oh, these your goddamn boys and their freaking problems. Damn harp too good for their fingers. And then I could like drunk drunk juggle, just try and look really sloppy about it. (laughs) Go around about pants on.
1: It's going to be fun anyway. Even as just like a fun party favor
0: for lack of a better term you know oh the pants yeah well where do you hide the daggers if you don't have any pants and you're a gleaming up your sleeve certainly but <laughs> you're gonna have some daggers in your underwear that's all i'm saying thank you for listening to the wheel of time spoilers podcast rate us in the apple podcast app or support us on patreon is that good enough